what's up, y'all? This is your boy, Lita Johnson, my father of the sports podcast. Man, we're here to talk about some Eagles. I've been waiting to talk about the Eagles. I just like what they got, like what they're building. So, we're going to get right to it. And the first thing I'm going to talk about, this is getting to um, the quarterback side of things. Nate Suffield, Jalen Hurts, and Carson Wentz. Now, I particularly think that the Carson, it's always some type of hype around the Eagles. Like, it's always some type of hype. So, the pressure's on Carson. With the pressure being on Carson, um, you're going to see a lot of things happen. They're going to see, they, you're going to see, well, not just happen, just so many speculations, so many predictions, and so many, like, you know, any little thing he does that goes at some type of fault. It's going to be microscope. Out of all the quarterbacks, really all eyes are really on him over Lamar Jackson, all of them. They, uh, if Lamar Jackson has a bad season or doesn't make the playoffs, I can see something. It's going to be pandemonium. I mean, I mean, I, I'm not pandemonium, but for Carson Wentz, it would be pandemonium. For Lamar Jackson, it's not going to be pandemonium. It's just not that type of party for him. Not for Aaron Rodgers, not for any quarterback. But Trubisky, what do you want to say, Stafford? These guys don't have near as pressure as Carson Wentz has. Off a a team that won the Super Bowl, but he got hurt, and he got hurt last year. Like, they act like he fell on his head himself, or his knee gave out, or his back. No, he had a concussion. Things have to happen. There has to be a concussion protocol. It has to be a procedure done. And they're going to make that call. It can't be his call. He can't say, well, you know, I don't want to go in, or it wasn't like he couldn't walk. He can talk. He can throw. They went through a protocol, certain procedure. And he couldn't play. Because they said it. He wasn't carried off the field. He couldn't. No, it wasn't none of that. He was out there on the field looking at the game. They make the call. So for people to say he's injury prone because he got hit in the back of the head, his head hit the ground. It's crazy. So instantly things that happen, you know, um, things that happen with Carson Wentz and right now is good because you got Jalen Hurts and you got Suffield. You got two quarterbacks. Suffield knows the offense. I knew Hurts wasn't going to be the backup. How you make Hurts the backup? just coming in there and that should also tell y'all if he's third string he is going to be used as a weapon you know when you're second string now it's a little bit more pressure because there's somebody behind you there's not no pressure there if Carson Wentz gets hurt it's going to be Sudfield who comes in there if Sudfield can't play then it's Hurts okay you got a new talent instead of having McCown who was old you can see the slowness in him he's just not the same quarterback but he's a quarterback that can play but he just he just getting older. 
You need a younger guy. You need a more agile guy. All, all three quarterbacks are mobile. They can move on their feet. Uh, all of them are tall. 6'4 and up. So this is big for the, the Eagles to... How they going to fit the Hurts to Wentz thing is going to be interesting. How does Hurts become the weapon that Carson Wentz needs? And if you look at Taysom Hill, that's interesting because this is a fresher quarterback, more talented quarterback than Taysom Hill. Um, the year he had, he was up for the Heisman Trophy candidate for, for a minute. Jalen Hurts is not no slouch. Of course, he accuracy needs to get better. Um, you know, better throwing technique, but he can he makes plays with his arm still. Whatever he needs to do, he still makes plays with his arm. And he's more dangerous because he can move on his feet and throw the ball, and he can run over you. And that's that's what you're gonna look at. I, you're gonna see a lot of. I think it's gonna be a lot of, lot more running plays and passing plays, but I still think that can happen. Using a weapon like a, you know, like Cordell Stewart was a slash. This is this this wasn't the first time this was done. It was just that Cordell Stewart was immediately switched to receiver. But these guys are still quarterback, Taysom Hill and Jalen Hurts. They're gonna I mean at six four, you can throw to a guy that's six four and has the athletic if if he gives into that. Because he wants to be a quarterback, it's no question. What I mean by giving today is for his future. If if he's all of a sudden this good weapon there, running the ball, passing the ball, would he switch to one of those positions? I don't think he would. I don't think he would at all. But if he is successful in this weaponry, it will make him an intriguing option to get traded for. And this is that's what we're not paying attention to. Like he's he can he's really on a high rate. He's more of a high radar to be traded than he is to be the successor to Carson. It gives them a guy that the NFL quarterbacks to see, and it could be a trade piece. It's different in New Orleans. Drew Brees is on his way out. Carson Wentz is is here. This is his time right now. You know, Taysom Hill can take that spot. He can be a future quarterback, or he can just, you know, I mean, we'll see what happens. He's definitely like a talented guy, talented player. And Hurts, we know he's talented. I mean, you get in that quarterback room and you learn your, your techniques and mechanics and you become better. And you have about four years with a, a Jalen Hurts to evaluate and, and get the best you want to get out of him. Suffield, I've always liked Suffield since Indiana. And he was Jordan Howard's quarterback. Big 10. 6'6", six, six, can throw that ball, was productive. And, and the Eagles got him in their quarterback room it made something out of him. You know, he's a backup quarterback all through the league. Any any league, any team would love to have him as a backup quarterback. All right, so that's going to be interesting. Khalil Tate turns to receiver. He was a quarterback, an impressive athlete in college. But then you look at Kyle Luletta, another guy. And those guys are not going to make it, but it's going to be uh, – Kyle, Kyle, Khalil Tate is going to be a receiver, but – Luletta's not going to make it. Luletta is going to be, you know, working hard, trying to get another team to sign him. But those three quarterbacks, that's just it. If anything, Luletta learned when he was sitting down. As soon as they drafted Hurts, he was like, oh, it's a wrap. It's over. It's a wrap. So that's a big, you know, it's a big kind of, you know, I think it's good. 
to know what you're going to get. One big thing I really, really want to um, talk about is the running back position. And this is, I have been waiting to break down this position. Because finally, in Philadelphia through the years, it's had good running back rooms. Good depth from the Von Hebrons to the Correll Buckhalters. To the, um, you know, the Deuce Staley's, the Ricky Waters. I mean, they usually have a good secondary guy right next to him, you know, or they develop depth. So, in this time, now you have a, a running back that was a rookie that showed who he was, showed the type of player he is. Miles Sanders. Since Penn State, I've been listen. I love. I'm one of those guys who loves to counteract a good prediction. Only because I see the talents. If I see a talent that's so hard and so good, not just if I see talent, I think he'll be good. If I think he's a special talent and he becomes a special talent, to see Saquon Barkley, to see now Miles Sanders. I've told. I told people. I was like. I was telling Penn State fans, I was like, his junior year, he's over, he's out of here. Before he even touched the football field in Happy Valley, I said, his junior season, he's going to the NFL. And he did it. He showed exactly the type of guy. And you look at where he was as a running back out of high school, you shouldn't be too surprised, right? But that, that, that always doesn't translate to, that always doesn't translate. It doesn't always translate to production because of where you're ranked. And he made it possible. And it makes Penn State even look better. And you got guys like Journey Brown on their way coming. I think he's a guy. He's out of here after this year. It's just, it's just they develop lead running backs. And these guys also happen to be super talented. So Sanders comes in there. He can catch the ball. He can run the ball. I mean, just, just think of this weapon. Before we think of depth and before we think of Jalen Hurts and what he can do, because he'll only be, be in to, like, do plays that throw defenses off and add another dimension that people are not ready for. He's not going to be a consistent fix. It'll be times you won't, you're not going to see him every game. That's not going to happen. Miles Sanders, by the way, I mean, on the other hand, Catch the ball and run the ball. He's going to be yeah, – Wentz is going to use him so many – he's going to bail Wentz out so many times and then Wentz is going to throw him good passes and they're going to be a great combination. The fact that he can catch the ball out the backfield makes him a solid, real good – from solid to real good beast in this league. A solid beast – let me break that down. A solid beast is a guy that can, you know, Devontae Freeman. But Sanders <sighs> – I mean, he has the potential to be something different. Even you're looking at Kamara and all that, he's more powerful than Kamara. You know, he has more power. And the quickness, you know, it might be the same. I think it is the same. Both of them are fast. And then you come and you got Boston Scott. You have to give a guy that did put in so much work. He's going to be hard to guard. Like, when you see the defense is set up and then – all of a sudden, there's an offensive playbook with Boston Scott involved. 
He's a he's a little back. He's a powerful back. Like he, he, he's basically a clone Sproles. And it's gonna be real hard because right now, looking at Philly, one good thing about having a a, a running back like uh, Boston Scott is um, you don't know him yet. It's like Sanders. Like you might have saw Sanders, you're still looking at your playbook, but you still don't know. He's evolving still. I mean, when you get young stars, it's hard to really plan for young stars or young productive players. And Boston Scott's going to be second to Sanders, so he's not going to be a guy. You're not going to know when he's going to come in. You're not going to know when he's going to affect the game. That makes it hard because your every down back, your three down, every down back is your back that you're planning for. And when you have a second back like Scott that can just be such a terror, because he's so quick and fast, defenses are not going to be ready for that. It's really going to be something. Those are two weapons that's going to be hard to plan for, and this is what makes them good. You look at Dallas, look at Ezekiel Elliott, whoever they got. But they don't – Mal Sanders – Ezekiel Elliott is one of the top five best running backs in the league. No question. Sanders is not there yet. But he's a, um he's going to be – by this year, he'll be top ten. You can just – I mean, how can you not see evolution – now that he'll get the ball, because really, if you look at it, he didn't start getting the ball until like you know around midseason, and then it went up as the season went on because they didn't have nobody there, and he took on the load. Just imagine what he's going to be able to do. I see fifteen hundred yards out of Brown Sanders. I see seven hundred receiving yards. I see fifty catches, sixty catches. I see him really being a workhorse. I see him being that that guy making the Pro Bowl. I just really believe that. It could be a Big Ten Pro Bowl. It could be Sanders, Ezekiel Elliott, and Saquon Barkley. I mean, if you look at it, you know, besides Kamara, uh, how many guys are really being that that good at running back besides, you know, with the Big Ten slash NFC's got? It's crazy. NFC's got it. But um, you got some guys out there. You got Dalvin Cook. I mean, I'm not saying that because he's another guy to look for. But those, I mean, phew, it's crazy what the Big Ten has done. The third running back, Corey Clement, you cannot put that under the bus. I mean, he's a Super Bowl, 100-yard receiving in the Super Bowl running back, and he's still young. It's not like he's old. and He, got, he just has some injury problems. If he says he's back, let's see what happens. If he's back, then that, that is triple threat. This, Corey Clement's good. Corey Clement can play. He can play. He can play. If he stays on the field, he's the type of guy. I think he's still a second running back to anybody, you know, at the, at his highest level. He's the number two running back. He can, you know, remind me of Dave Maggot, you know, type of guy. Uh, can do a lot. Secondary guy that can do a lot. So, um, that that's, that's good depth. Now, let's freeze frame. I just want to freeze frame for a little minute. Um, If we want to really talk about offense and um, this running back position, the Eagles are still at the veteran running back. A veteran, a veteran running back, and it's come, it's come out. My confirmed sources say, you know, I heard the news, and I, and I want to confirm you always hearing something. They're after either Carlos Hyde, LaShawn McCoy, or Devontae Freeman. They're going to get one of those three guys. Don't know what they're going to do or the clowny thing. 
They're not looking to pay their big money. They just want to get a uh, you know want to go one year deal worth a certain amount. And they're not they were they were they're fishing like Howie's fishing, and he's he's one of the best fishers in football. So I I think it's if if we're looking at it, Carlos Hyde might want to go to a team where he's not just a bell cow. Because he had 1,000 yards. He's looking for another payday. Devontae Freeman might be the same way. But LaShawn McCoy doesn't care. I've been telling people, LaShawn McCoy, if Carlos Hyde wants to come to Philly, it'll happen. I think that's the number one running back that they want out there three. But if he feels like somebody gives him more money to be a lead back, he's gone. But there's a chance we can still get him because if, if he looks around and he sees the money and he sees Philly give him the same money, but he's still going to be, you know, just the, you know, the strong back that comes in there and push yards, he'll take that money. But if he sees starting, it's two things. If, if he gets the same money Philly gives him but is a starter, he's gone. If he gets more money, period, to go anywhere than Philly gives him, he's gone. But if he looks at that money and people are giving him the same money to be the same type of person, and no matter what money, if, if, if Philly gives him a certain amount of money to back up and another team gives him a certain amount of money, he's going to Philly. I think he'll back up for Philly more than any team. I think he'll be a backup running back for that role. But if somebody offers him a starting running back role anywhere, I think that is the closer. But if he's if he's anything rather than a starting running back, and then if he's a secondary running back and somebody gives him more money to be a secondary running back, then with Philly that'll happen. But it can all like Devontae Freeman. I mean, this guy was just a star running back for Atlanta. Just a star running back. So You know, Seattle's after him, too. Seattle needs a, you know, a bell cat. They think Rashad Penny not going to be healthy, so they want Freeman. I just think it's McCoy. Everything, McCoy will come back and be a backup. He'll come back. He'll be such a great mentor to those guys in their running back room. And I could see a two-year deal, you know, because McCoy already said two years was his plug, so... If they give him a deal, I think it's a two-year deal worth two million, and you know he'll get a million a year. You know, I think that really opens it up for McCoy to come back. I think it really, oh, like McCoy, everybody talking about this and that, but he still has four point six yards per rush, over four hundred yards, caught the ball. If he does that for Philly, he doesn't have to rush for it. I think people are looking too much for McCoy. They don't want him because, oh, well, he's old and, you know, injuries. Listen, he's not the lead back. He's not even the second. It's not even promised to be the second back. If, if Scott and Sanders is what I'm looking at, McCoy comes in there to be the third back. I mean, that's what they need. And everybody's talking about a, a power back. Now, this, this is what this tells you. They don't get high. They get a Freeman or McCoy. This tells you that. Michael Warren or Elijah Holyfield could definitely could keep five running backs. Everybody, listen to me. If they get McCoy or Freeman, Freeman's a small back, and McCoy's not a power back. You know that's not his thing. They're gonna keep. I see Holyfield or, or Warren making the roster, and I think it'll be Holyfield. 
I think Warren could be on the practice squad. But I think Holyfield, McCoy, this is my prediction for the running backs. Holyfield, McCoy, Clement, Scott, Sanders. Five running backs. You can always sit McCoy down because he's gonna, he don't have to be your bell cow. He doesn't have to be that lead back anymore. Man, Sanders is going to get way more carries than him. Boston Scott will get called on if McCoy is not healthy. And, you know, most of the time when a running back or a player is not healthy, you're not always hearing about it. You're not hearing about the complications or the problems they had when it first started. You're not hearing about that. You just hear at the end when they say, oh, you got to get surgery. Or you hear in the interview, yeah, my hand was broken. I had a hip flexor for a whole season. You don't even know about it. Now you got three young running backs that can sit McCoy down and McCoy can just be there. He just wants to be in Philly. Like he just wants to be in Philly, man. Bring that man home. I think it's the best way. And then he's going to be a guy, if he's healthy, he's going to contribute. That's what that that's the ending thing of this whole conversation about the running back. If he is healthy, he is going to contribute. That's the scary thought. If McCoy is healthy, he's going to be a problem catching the football. He's going to be a problem running the football. And and he can he can move up to the number two running back. But the thing is, if McCoy is hurt or if McCoy is not ready for carries, they can always let him sit back. You got three young running backs until he gets to that point where he can start running the football, where he can start catching the football. When he's healthy, he can just be thrown back out on the field. But what happens is you won't even know if he's not healthy. Clement. Mal Sanders, Boston Scott, all them boys. They'll go before him. They'll just let McCoy sit. So I believe it's dangerous. I think people are not understanding. The dangerous nature of, listen, when he went to Kansas City, you saw his numbers. Just to add, he wasn't even the lead back. Now, look who was the lead back. Look at those numbers. It was nothing but a, it was a weapon. And in an in a already potent offense, you had LaShawn McCoy. He will only be an asset. Back in the same offense he knows about, same type of offense, same coaches that know him. So we gonna, he is going to be a weapon, no question. And if he's healthy, this is the big thing. If he's healthy, he is the number two running back. If he's healthy, he you can talk about Scott, Clement. If he's healthy, he's the number two running back. The only way he won't be is if he's not healthy. So it's real exciting to look at how that would open up. But if you get Freeman, if you get hired, either way, it's gonna be a good I, I, it's good to see them stack this running back room and to add another running back next to him. Because they saw how beneficial Jordan Howard was. He was so beneficial. He he was very productive. Miami has a running back. Miami's trying to do something over there. You better watch out for the Dolphins. Um, when we come back, I'm, I'm going to get more on uh, the receiver position, and we're going to go all the way to the offensive line here on Follow Leader talking about those good old Eagles. Some everlasting, some everlasting. I can take a phrase that's well and heard. 
Christy Jones, the Greg Clarks. I mean, you can you, you can go down a couple of, but and I, I'm looking and I'm thinking. I'm just like, this is the most talented on paper that this receiving class has been, even just not now, but for the future. Because some guys you're not going to see. You're not going to see some guys. You're not going to see some of them. And. Let's start with Alshon. Now, you're talking about Alshon Jeffrey, and looking at the years he's played from 2012 2019, he's not an old receiver at all. It's just that injuries have caught up with him. If these can be broken, if these can be um, cut down, you know, even for about five years, you know, Jeffrey is still an impact receiver on the field. He can be your number two. Uh, as far as being a number one, if Jeffrey stays healthy, he plays a, a, if he plays a full, he played a full 16 games and 57 receptions for 789 yards, 13.8 yards per catch, nine touchdowns. That was with Philadelphia. That was the first year he was here. All right, so that's one thing. The second year, 13 games. 65 receptions, 843 yards. Six touchdowns. I mean, but if you're looking at him and you're talking about number one, I have to be honest, he's not number one, but he's a number two on anybody's team right now, even with the injuries. Like, he had 43 catches last year, 490 yards, four touchdowns. I mean, that was, like, low for him. 73 targets, low. Because he had 10 games. The more games he plays, he's always productive. You know, you look at games with uh, Chicago, he had 821 yards on 52 receptions in 12 games in Chicago. He even had 54 catches for 807 yards in nine games in 2015. You know, you look at two big years in 2013, 2014, where he caught over 80 balls for 1,400-plus in 2013, 1,100-plus, I mean, 10 touchdowns that year. But in Chicago, he was the only weapon. Like, And Philly is always a second weapon. It's always a second or third weapon. You know, running backs, tight ends, whether it's Ertz, whoever's that running back. Running back's always involved in Philly. There's always a third receiver involved. You know, so so Philly's always looking for other weapons. But in 2018, he caught 65. 
It's the most he's caught and since he's caught since eight since twenty fourteen when he was eighty five. So when they was throwing him the ball, he was catching it. And you know, it was ninety two targets. He was really an asset. He was really a good player that year. So people just doubt Jeffries. I think, you know, it's a different time. It's a lot more. He he's older and he gets hurt and then he had to kick do the the one playoff game where he missed a catch and it's just been you know, people are forgetting how good Alshon Jeffrey really is and what he's done for this organization. He won the Super Bowl. I mean, it's like they're giving him the kiss of death. The, the year that everybody goes crazy when he, you know, in 2018, when he missed the pass, he had 65 catches, 843 yards. So they doubt him a lot. They do. You get Deshaun Jackson back, you know what you get. I mean, you know what you're getting. Come on, cut it. You know what you're getting when that man's on the field. You can talk about injuries all day. Do, do, do we want to break down the injuries? Okay, it's just like an Alshon Jeffrey case. Except he's played longer. It's just like the case for Alshon Jeffrey. He was on his way to a solid year. All right. We want to break down the Alshon Jeffrey case. Let's do it. I mean, the Deshaun Jackson case. It's just like that. Um, you look at his average. And he first came to the league, 16, 15, 14, 15. You know, then he had 11 one year with Philadelphia. He had 16, 15 again. And then he had 10 with Washington. He had 15 and 14, Washington, Tampa Bay. And he had 12. And the 12, 12 game year with Tampa Bay. He caught 41 catches for 774 yards. But see, you it's kind of crazy because those teams didn't go to the playoffs. None of them. Washington, Tampa Bay. So, I mean, they weren't consistent playoff people, you know. I mean, this is just what it is, right? Let's just talk about that part. They're not consistent playoff um, teams. And you don't know if he would have been healthy for the playoffs or not. But he still was productive. We're talking about the 12-game year where he missed four games. All right? That's not injury-prone when you had 14 and 15 and watched him before. And he had 10. When you had 15, like, that's that's just crazy to say that. When he wasn't facing 15-year, uh, 10, like, he wasn't facing going straight for the playoffs every year. Now, let's talk about Philly when he only played three games, you know. But you can't now, now. After those, you have to look at it. When he has seasons where he plays, in which he ain't had no season where he had three games that he played, none. But when he has those seasons where he plays, you know, um, he has an injury-prone year, a year where he missed a, a significant time of games. The next year, he comes back and he'll miss one or two games. I mean, it, it. I mean, he's just not. I think the the injury prone call is a little crazy. Now Deshaun Jackson's in a realm where he loves Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz throws that ball out there, and, Desha- and Deshaun Jackson can go get it. Ash Ashon Jeffrey. To have these two guys, we'll see what happens. Jeffrey being whether he starts the season hurt. He's done this before. It's another thing. He did the same thing in twenty eighteen. 
you know, he had he had to be hurt, and then he, had, he started the season hurt and came back. Same thing in twenty eight. I mean, not twenty seven. Twenty eighteen. He did that. So, as we looking, and and we're looking at this, those are two the the most underrated factor. Uh, analysts are coming and arguing me if if they're healthy. Okay, you can say the if all you want, but on, on the field, they're two of the, the most dangerous, one of the most top five dangerous tandems in football. Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson on the field together is trouble. Period. Y'all, the, the first game against Washington, I mean, they played terrible, you know, in the first parts of the game, but who brought them back? You know, then you got Jalen Rager, who's going to be something different. He's going to be all over the field. Now, he's going to open up things for them because the pressure on them is going to be off. This guy, they're going to use him in so many ways. Then it gets tricky. Like, who gets time? Is it Greg Ward? Do I think he should be number four? Hell yeah, I think he should. I think for what he did last year, he should be the number four receiver. I'm all for it to get us into the playoffs. I think I'm all. Then J.J. Arcega Whiteside is next. Because right now, if Alshon Jeffrey does not start, that's that's who's going to start. It's not going to be Ward. It's not going to be no high tower. No, it's going to be. J.J. Arcega Whiteside. They're going to give him every opportunity to succeed. He's going to get the ball. It's going to be five, at least five, no matter who makes this roster. Because I think it'll be seven to eight receivers. I, I just really think that. Maybe seven. I'll go with seven. Because I think five uh, receivers are liable to catch, to put their hands on the ball at any time. You look at... Um, Ward, Ward, I think Ward is really going to get the ball now. I, I really do think he'll be the fourth guy. And then J.J. Arcega, white side, he'll also get times, especially near the red zone. You know, they didn't like he'll every, every game that they'll be involved, but they are liable to get the day. It's a possibility. All five, is you're going to have to have them on your playbook. And then you look at Hightower and Quez Watkins and, and Goodwin. See how Goodwin came, and then you people want to ask, well, how does he fit in? Well, I think he'll he'll sometimes he'll be in a slot. Sometimes he'll be they're just gonna move him around. He'll get chances. I mean, I think uh, if you look at it, that's another thing. JJ Arcega, white side could be. Um, I have to go back. Just thinking about that, I have to say six guys are liable to catch the ball at any time during the season. Not not saying every game. Six receivers will touch it, but it's a possibility that they can touch it. It's a possibility that all six of them can touch it because they're going to be in plays. They're going to have J.J. In some games, J.J. Arcega-White side won't play. In some games, Ward won't play or catch a ball. But they are in the playbook, and people, the staff is thinking about getting the ball on plays. They're just not guys on the roster, and they're not going to get on the field. Or they're not going to even be thought about for a playbook. You know, what I mean? it's not that type of party. They're looking to put weapons around Wentz, and this is what they're talking about doing, and that's what they're doing. They're putting weapons around Carson Wentz, and it's six guys: Jeffrey, Jackson, Rager, Ward Jr., and Goodwin. Or five guys now to put one ahead of JJ Arcega Whiteside. Five guys, you trade for good when you don't trade for nothing. Those are five. The first five guys. Then this is JJ Arcega Whiteside. 
it's going to be times where he can get on in the middle of the field. But I think during the red zone situation, if you can have a J.J. Arcega white side, uh, um, you got two tight ends who are tall, just remember them being on the field. With J.J. Arcega white side and Alshon Jeffrey, if you can get four guys with your running backs, you know, think about it, you know, that's four guys that are tall. Dallas Golder, Zach Ertz, because we're going to talk about tight end position in a minute. Dallas Golder, Zach Ertz, J.J. Arcega white side, Alshon Jeffrey. Then you got a running back, you can put Sanders out there. I mean, think about it. That'll be a problem from 20 yards. If they start on the 20-yard line, they want to put, you know, uh, Jeffrey and, and, and J.J. Sega Whiteside with Zach Ertz and Dallas Goder. That's a size and strength problem now. Like, that, that is something I know. I mean, I haven't been told. I ain't heard no sources. But I know they're thinking about that. When you got the, the advantage to have tall quarterbacks and tall receivers out on their football field, they can even do it in, in just to get a first down. I mean, I think with those guys healthy, it really makes Philadelphia something different. But most of the time, I think it's going to be Goodwin. I think J.J. Arcega Whiteside is going to get some routes, some good routes, some you know some first downs, but he's not going to get the ball like that. He's not going to get it to the point. He's just going to get a chance to contribute. He's going to get. I think he catches about twenty three catches this year. Twenty twenty three catches this year. Um, I think he can get three touchdowns. You know, I think that'll happen. Um, but Goodwin is going to be used. Uh, Rager is going to be used. Screens, slots, and all this. Then you got Jackson. There's three guys out there that can do it. Then you got good hands with Ward Jr. and Alshon Jeffrey. They are able to catch that ball. They know the offense. They are able to, and, and, that's going, and then you still got, let's go to the tight ends. All right, we're going to go there. In a matter of fact, let me, hold on. It's a lot of receivers, but we're going to go to tight ends. Let's just talk about Zach Ertz and Goder and just how good both of them are. It's the best tight end tandem we've had. You know, I mean, the Eagles have had in a long time. You talk about L.J. Smith. You talk about Brent Selleck. Then you talk about Brent Selleck and Zach Ertz. But now, now? Oh, these are two Pro Bowl tight ends right here. Two guys that are hard to guard every game. You you want to talk about weapons. I, I always talk about Miles Sanders and Boston Scott. Well, let's introduce ourselves to the two tight ends. I think those four in particular are, are just unfair when you don't even talk about Jackson. And then you think about, and then you got Ertz, but you don't even talk about Jackson yet. But you t- think about those two tight ends. And Miles Sanders, let's, just, let's put Boston Scott off to the side, but he's still going to be a weapon because you look at Boston Scott, Jalen Rager, Marquise Goodwin, two fast, small, getting between space. They're going to be hard to guard. We're talking. Let's talk about the playbook. Okay, you want to talk about players? You talk about the scheme and how they fit the playbook. And how they're gonna be? A, a, they're gonna irritate everybody. It's gonna be hard to tackle. They're gonna be so fast. It's gonna be so many different plays, and blocking is gonna be so important because once the blocks are good, those guys are getting space. All they need is a little bit of space. Just block. Just block. And we we talking about one of the top five offensive lines in football that we got. We'll go to that in a minute. But let's talk about John Hightower and Quez Watkins. That's crazy and unbelievable. And I also want to say Adrian Killings is another guy 
that, you know, I think he'll be on the uh, practice squad, but he should be there. I, I'm really interested to see how he – is he going to be one of those running backs? You know, McCoy, you play a couple of years, you keep uh, killings, you keep that. I think he can make it with a, a roster, but I hope it would be Philly because to have Miles Sanders, Boston Scott, and Killings, because I don't think Clement lasts after this year. I mean, I think if if, if Killings, if Adrian Killings shows the type of dynamic, explosive ability, he'll be their third running back. And it'll be a fourth running back, either Holyfield or Warren, will become their power back. They're building something intriguing that could happen. It just has to happen, okay? Um, John Hightower is tall, speed, and Quez Watkins. That's exciting. Like, I, I mean, I think Quez Watkins is a steal. And I think Hightower could possibly be one. I mean, these two dudes can be one and two receivers. They can be third receivers, too. Up to about dangerous slot receivers. Quez Watkins is a, a, a dynamic speedster. Like, wow. To get him, I thought it was going to be a second receiver for sure. But I didn't think they would get a third one that good and, and, and that good. Like, Quez Watkins killed the combine. You have to be excited about that. Simply because of what Philadelphia's offensive schemes are. You got another fast guy you can get a ball to in space or, you know, let him run routes. He learned those routes. He can just be a weapon and, and become one because of this scheme. And then, you know, he gets rave reviews from coaches and all that. Then you look at John Hightower and, wow, he does remind you of Ty Pinkston. If I'm talking about who is Ty Pinkston. I'm not saying he'll be just like him, even though Pinkston was productive with Philly. He could be better, but it's just his skill set. He's fast. He is a, um, skinny. He can burn you and catch. Tall, you know, he's 6'2". So, it's really intriguing. I mean, I, I just ain't never seen Philly look like this at receiver. Just never seen them look like this with this type of talent on paper. So, it's big. It's real good. Um, with, with tight end, I think Philly keeps two tight ends unless Joshua Perkins makes it or Alex Ellis makes it. But we'll see. I think they keep two tight ends. If if you look at the balance of everything, that's five, that's eight, five running backs, three quarterbacks, um, seven, that's 15. And if I say two tight ends, that's 17, all right? I, I'm, just, I'm just rolling with their whole, you know, who I think will make it at receiver, between, I think Hightower will make it before Quez, but I could be wrong. They're both good. And one gets the practice squad and makes the team next year, you know. But it's a possibility they can keep all eight. That's why I really think all eight and then, you know, two tight ends. That's 10, that's 13, that's 18. That's 18. Now, we're not talking about the uh, the offensive line yet. We're going to get to that. Just to, em- to embrace the tight end position. And how good they really done to develop solid potential like Perkins and Ellis at their position. You know, what they did for Trey Burton. Like, it's really something intriguing to see what, if they're going to keep a tight end on an active roster. Just see how that goes. Now, offensive line. What are we talking? Dillard. The, the the confirmation from Doug Peterson that Dillard has taken over that position is the woo side of the whole uh, talk of it. Jason Kelsey, Lane Johnson's back, Brandon Brooks, 
Those are three of the most elite linemen, top three in their positions, all of them. Kelsey's the best center in football. Lane Johnson's possibly the best right tackle, you know, top three for sure. And Brandon Brooks is the best guard. So now you bring who? Uh, is it going to be Isaac Siamolu? Is he going to be the guy that – is he going to be the guy that um, goes to guard? We'll see. And I, I think he will. They gave him an extension. I think he's that. I think he becomes better and better just learning from everybody. And Dillard being a young guy, you go with Matt Pryor, you go with Jordan Malaga, you get uh, you get Prince Tega Wanogu, um, who's an athlete. You know, he was once a defensive tackle. He was a, a high level, at a high school, high level defensive tackle. And he at Auburn. We're talking about Auburn. Good offensive line. And you get Jake Driscoll from Auburn. Another guy who play guard, center. It's going to be something to see now. And Tega's a backup at offensive tackle with Malala. You get Driscoll and Pryor. You know, I think it'll be nine people, nine of them on that one. And that makes it 27 on one side. And you put other three, which you got. Um, the other three is, is, you know, the special teams. You know, long snapper, kicker, punter. That's 30. Now, it's, it's crazy because you look at the offensive line. It looks good. It looks real good. I mean, some people think Nate Herbie could make it. I don't think they go with 10. It really depends at the end who is just the better player. Now, this offense, I got well, between the offense and special teams, it's 30, you know, um, who I think will be the returner is big, right? I think it's real big right now. Thinking about the returner. Think about that. Miles Sanders could do it, but no, he's going to be a lead back. They don't need that. Deshaun Jackson could be punt returner, but you think they're going to, you know, he's been getting hurt. You think they want to put him as the punt returner, but they got so many guys with speed from Hightower to Quez Watkins to Jalen Rager. I think Rager becomes the returner. I think one of the returners, he could be the kick returner. I think Jalen Rager, it's no question he'll be there. As far as punt returner, I think Boston Scott. I think those two guys, those are my picks. Boston Scott and Jalen Rager to touch the ball is either or. Kick returner, punt returner. I think if Watkins or Hightower makes the team as a receiver and not the practice squad, one of them could be punt returner, kick returner. They're all fast. They all can do that. Um, Quez looks like that type of person. Killings, I mean, but it's going to be five running backs. And I don't think he's going to know. He's definitely not going to be there. But it's really exciting to see who who will be picked. Corey Clement used to return kicks. I don't think he's doing that anymore. I think with Rager and Boston Scott, I just think they are the clear-cut favorites to return kicks. They're fast. They're small, explosive. I think they just it. I think that's my picks for kicking punt. Who's kick returner? I think it's Rager. Who's punt returner? Scott. But then again, it could be other way. That that's my part. That's a little. Rager might be the punt returner. And Boston Scott's kick returner. I rock with that. Usually, you know, running backs and. But you know, we'll see how that goes. But I think that's real interesting to see. That's one spot nobody thinking about. Who would be that type of player? 
So, man, I'm about to get out of here. I just want to talk about the offense, the Eagles. Their offense looks good. It really does. And for the simple fact, you got experienced guys on the line. You got a young star running back. And it's, it's always good. It's good. Get a vet in there. It's good to get a vet. You got Corey Clement. He's a championship winner. You put that in the running back room. And you get you a McCoy who just got a ring. And, and he's an eagle for, for life in his heart. And he'll teach Boston Scott and Sanders, you know, because, you know, McCoy's another Pennsylvania running back from Harrisburg. Uh, Sanders is from Pittsburgh. It just would be a good group, a good good camaraderie. A lot of Pennsylvania running backs that came out of high school looked up to uh, Deshaun McCoy. So it's really going to be something to, to see. I think he would be just the best person in there. And you need a power back. You got Holyfield. I think Holyfield and, and Warren is a no-brainer. You're, you're looking for a, a power back. You're not looking for a lead back. Looking for a guy that can, you know, eat the short yardage, tire the defense, then put him back on the on sideline. You know, you don't even have to get a guy to look like LeGarrette Blunt to do what LeGarrette Blunt did. You don't need a one-two punch. You got to, I think Scott and Sanders is your one-two punch, you know, primarily if, if McCoy isn't healthy, you know, because McCoy can be there. But just saying, you know, now I'm doing the just-in-case thing with the injury, but you, if McCoy is not healthy, you still got Scott is what I'm saying. So that's a crazy one, two, three, and then you got Clement back there. Who Clement can can he's a good running back. So this will be big to see, It'll be real big to see. Um, if you ask me, Clement reminds me of Jordan Howard running a little bit. But um, I'm gonna get um, this is real big to see um with this team with Jeffrey coming back and Jackson. And if you could put McCoy in that locker room. With Ertz, they can help people like uh, Dallas Godard and, and Miles Sanders and Boston Scott. This is a good mixture of good and young talent and fast talent. So this is going to be real good to see. Next time on when I talk to Eagles, we talking defense. We talking their defense. And um, I, I'm going to be back to talk about some what y'all think of the Mike Tyson situation. Hit me on my Twitter. This is a question. I'm always going to have a question after each one of my um podcast now listen hit me on twitter and what do you think about the mike tyson coming back facing evander holyfield it's all my fans out there hit me on my twitter writer leader 247 hit me on my twitter leader johnson what do you think about and and the first person that 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 gives a comment on my question i'm gonna come back on the podcast and shout you out like i do people and we're gonna start a conversation all right, so I'm out of here, y'all. It's your host, Lita Johnson. Follow Lita.